Lord, we worship you. We worship you. And in our worship, Lord, we remind ourselves of who you are today, just as we've been singing about your faithfulness, your mercy, your love, and, and grace. Father, we pray that you would reveal yourself in those ways today. You're the God of mercy, the God of faithfulness. Lord, as we come around your word today, we pray that you will reveal your word in all of its fullness and all of its power. We thank you that your word is trustworthy. It's reliable that we can stand firm upon your word. We say this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to be with you uh, here again at the 2.30 service. Always an honor and privilege to come and, and bring the word. Uh, last week, we were looking at the topic, or Esteban was looking at the topic of rightly handling the word of truth. Anybody remember that? We were looking at that, and that was uh, fantastic. This whole month, we're looking at the, the, the word, the significance of the word of God in our life. And today, we're looking at the topic of being nourished by daily bread. Amen. Who wants to be nourished by daily bread? How many really want to be nourished by daily bread? All right. And uh, as I was preparing this message, I really enjoyed actually putting some of this together. And um, I was reflecting on, on the idea of new life. I was just putting this message together. And one thing about new life is this. As soon as you have new life, when new life is born, the greatest need for that new life is nourishment to sustain it. When a human baby is born, and there's a few people expecting, I think, here this afternoon. But when a human baby is born, that baby may be very healthy and fine, and everything's fine about that baby. But if it doesn't receive the nourishment that it needs, it will go in a downward spiral. Because it's dependent upon that nourishment. In fact, every person in this world, including you and I, face a world of dependence. We are all dependent, right from the moment that we're conceived, right to the moment that we die. At conception, we depend on our mothers for nourishment while we're in the, in the womb. We probably don't remember that part. When we're born, we, we depend on, on our parents. We can't provide for ourselves. And as, as an infant even, we are not even capable of caring for ourselves when it comes to keeping clean. All of us, of course, experience our parents giving us baths and clipping our nails and uh, combing our hair uh, to make us presentable. Hopefully we don't still rely upon that now. But even as toddlers, as we grow up, when we become more mobile, we're not able to determine what's safe and, and what's going to be harmful to us. And without our parents, uh, without mothers, we could easily get ourselves into danger. I don't know about you, but I was one of those kind of young kids that got myself in a few kind of uh, bad moments. Perhaps maybe we get into those dangerous situations, we're going to fall, or maybe we eat something that we shouldn't uh, eat. And if you're a parent, you'll know what I'm talking about. How many know your parents? You know what I'm talking about here. Got a few parents in the house? Okay. And so even as we grow up, we're, we're still dependent. We're dependent uh, as we grow up on, on teachers to educate us. We're dependent on employers to employ us, to give us a job. We're dependent... Uh, uh, as, as, as on all kinds of different things in life. We have police today 
who look after us are supposed to give, keep our streets safe. We're dependent on, on all kinds of different things, doctors, hospitals to keep us healthy. And so why do I highlight some of these things? Because for us as a Christian, as a believer, we are those who acknowledge that we have our dependence upon God. Amen. As a believer, we have our dependence upon God. Just like infants, we're ultimately dependent on God for food, for clothing, for shelter, all these different things. Just as infants get dirty through the day, we live in a world of sin that can sometimes so easily pollute our walk with Christ. Even though the Lord has something, you know, He's paid the penalty for our sins, that's the finished work of the cross, we can still sometimes mess up every day. Just like infants, we sometimes desperately need our parents to protect us from harmful things. And just in the same way, God protects us and guards us from those harmful things in our life, those things that can harm us spiritually or emotionally or physically even. Now, I noticed that many of you brought your, your, your bodies with you here today, which is, which is a good thing. And one thing that we all have in common, of course, here today is that our, uh, our physical bodies are dependent on, upon nutrients, certain proteins, certain vitamins. How many know that's true? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you eat your five a day? And so we need all these different things to survive, to have the energy that we need to live. To, to be able to actually have the energy to, to, to live and also, of course, to, to fight off disease. And so there are certain foods and proteins and vitamins that our bodies need. In fact, all living things need to feed in order for them to have energy to live. I remember a number of years ago, I heard a story, and I think it was all around in the media, uh, about a documentary about a reporter who decided to do uh, an experiment and uh, what he chose to do was to live on McDonald's for a whole month. Now, some of you might think, well, that's heaven. Well, check out what happened to this guy, because this guy did the, the whole experiment. So for breakfast, he ate McDonald's. Lunchtime, he ate McDonald's. And dinner time, and everything between, he ate McDonald's. And uh, towards the end of the experiment, um, he, he was, you know, he uh, was really committed to actually the challenge. But towards the end of the experiment, he was rushed into hospital and almost died. Why? Because his body was not getting the necessary nutrients and the proteins and the vitamins that it so needed. And so what happened, his body started to shut down. Now, unfortunately, he didn't die. I guess the learning lesson is don't eat too much McDonald's. I, uh, a number of months ago, started a, a health and fitness challenge called the Body by Vi Challenge. And it's a growing fitness challenge in, in the West. And uh, the whole fitness industry is kind of a really a billion-pound business. And it's growing and growing all the time in the West. And there's so many different programs that are out there today. But I started this Body by Vi Challenge. And this is not a plug, by the way, to join it. But uh, there are so many programs that are out there. But I joined it because I wanted to build my nutrition. I recognized that there were certain things lacking in my life. And I uh, wanted to get the rest necessary vitamins and proteins uh, so I'd have the, you know, some extra energy. But you see, just as these principles are all true spiritually or true physically, they are true spiritually. Spiritual fitness requires spiritual nutrition, proper spiritual nutrition. In other words, you, you and I are not just physical beings. You're a spiritual being. Tell your neighbor that. You're a spiritual being. And so 
it's important, of course, that we need to look after our physical nature, our physical bodies. And I think uh, Amanda died just recently in our Cell Leaders Net last week was saying that we've got uh, some events coming up about how the importance of nutrition and all that kind of thing. I encourage you to get to some of those events. But in the same way, our spiritual nature needs to be taken care of. In other words, when a person is born again, their new spiritual nature requires spiritual nourishment for them to grow, for them to live. And this spiritual nourishment that we're looking at over the whole month is the Word of God. Amen? This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God that is full of nutrients, full of protein, through of all kinds of different things, full of power and strength and authority. And it's really an instruction manual for your life. That's what the Bible is for every one of us. And it can be used for anyone at any stage of their spiritual journey. I wonder if you would come with me in your Bibles quickly to 1 Peter 2. Verses 1 to 2. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 2. Peter says this, he says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby and flourish. Here, Peter is, is talking about the importance of God's word in the life of a new believer. Maybe you're here this, this afternoon and you've only just recently given your life to Christ. But for newborn spiritual babes in Christ, God's nourishment is the milk of his word. Amen? That's what God's nourishment is. And Peter, of course, is using language that is, is helpful for us to understand about milk. Of course, we know that newborn babies, milk, they need milk for life and growth. But interestingly, here in this scripture, Peter brings a warning to us. He brings a bit of a caution in these verses, if you just look at it. He says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the milk of God's word. Newborn Christians must get their nourishment from the milk of God's Word. And that sometimes means having their hearts cleansed from the things that would sometimes come in to try and pollute them and hinder them in their growth. And so Peter says, he says, lay aside all malice, uh, guile, hypocrisy, and envy, and all evil speaking, because these things belong to your old life. This is the way that you used to behave, and now you are in Christ, you are a new creation. There are certain things that will stop you growing in the milk of God's Word that will hinder you from growing in your life with God. And for every one of us, God doesn't just want us to, to remain spiritual babes and spiritual infants. Amen? He wants us to be those who would actually grow in the Word. My question for us today is this. Are we growing in the Word of God? Matthew 4.4 4 is a belongs to a certain portion of scriptures, very well-known scriptures have here, how we read how Jesus was just baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that happened to him, of course, is what the, the Father spoke these amazing words over him. And then the first thing was he was sent into the wilderness for 40 years, or sorry, 40 years, that would be a long time, wouldn't it? 40 days. And here he is tempted by Satan. And Satan tested Jesus in his fleshly appetites. He said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, it would have been easy for Jesus to turn these stones into bread. After all, in the, in the Old Testament, God provided manna from heaven, 
in the wilderness when the Israelites were there for 40 years, he provided water from a rock. And so there was, this wasn't something that was too hard for Jesus. But here, Jesus was not interested in bread that feeds the stomach. And here, Jesus resisted Satan, saying, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, what Satan tries to do then and as he tries to do now is he tries to tempt you with fleshly appetites. And we can so easily be, of course, driven by our flesh rather than the word of God. And Jesus said, we must not live on bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God. That word, uh, word translated means the uttered, revealed, spoken word of the Lord. I mean, think about that. Forty days before he's in the wilderness and being tempted by Satan, he receives these amazing words from the Father, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. This was 40 days before he's about to go in the wilderness. And I think that this, this was really revelation. This was a, a rhema word that Jesus held on to when he was in the midst of that temptation and that testing. This was revel fresh revelation to Jesus. So, that, so, so much so that, of course, he didn't have to prove that he was the Son of God by turning these stones into bread. And so here we learn from Jesus himself that through every trouble and hardship that you go through, through every difficult circumstance that you go through, God's word, his rhema word, is enough to get you through. Amen? God's rhema word is enough nourishment to get you through that trial and that temptation and that testing. God's rhema word is powerful. God can come to your aid when no one else is around you, when no one else is for you, when they've given up on you. And when darkness is, is all around you, God's rhema word is that which sustains you and lifts you up. Amen? I remember a time in my life a number of years ago where I really hit rock bottom in my life. I came to a, to, a, to a place where I wasn't really interested in ministry at all anymore. I was depressed. I, I uh, wasn't a great person to live with, that's for sure. But I had a sense of hopelessness. And I remember living like this from day to day to day. I remember getting up in the morning around about 5 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep anymore because I was so, so depressed and so full of, of so much stuff that was going on. And I remember a certain morning, I'll never forget it. Of all places, I was in the shower. I remember being in the shower and just doing my thing like you do. And then all of a sudden, a rhema word came from God. And it was one word, it was hope. All of a sudden, God brought me out of a place of hopelessness into a place of hope. God lifted my world. All of a sudden, I had eyes for the future. I actually had hope for today and had hope for tomorrow. That's the power of God's rhema word in your life. God's rhema word can change your life. And so here, Jesus is saying that God's word is the spiritual bread that we need in our diet. Jesus said, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What does that mean? It means, in other words, if you want to mature spiritually, and I'm sure every one of us want to do that, it means that we, we must embrace all of the Word of God, all of the Bible, not just the parts that are our favorite. I don't know if you've ever been caught in that place before as well. You kind of just read the parts that make you feel good. Thank God here at KT that we don't just hear messages that make us feel good. Amen? They challenge us. We hear the preaching of the cross, which of course is necessary just to produce real disciples. The book of Timothy says this, that all scripture is God-breathed 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God is preparing us for every good work. Amen? He's preparing us for greater things. How many believe that? He's shaping us for greater things in the future in your life. He wants to prosper you. But how is he going to do that? Timothy tells us, well, he's going to teach us. He's going to rebuke us. He's going to correct us, and he's going to train us so that we will be prepared for every good work. And so what this means is that we must not just try to embrace the, the scriptures that make us feel good, but also embrace the scriptures that kind of make us say, ouch. Anybody been there before? They challenge us. Martin Luther, the great reformer, whilst he was alive, said this, The Bible is alive and fresh. It speaks to me. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is fresh, and God's signature is behind every word. I read a, a statistic a while back that was, was quite an, an eye-opener. And it said this, that the percentage of people who live in the West who own running shoes but don't actually run is 87%. That's a high percentage, isn't it? Now, don't ask me how they got the statistic. I have no idea. <laughs> like the tracing people when they buy shoes. I don't know. But you may say, well, what does that have to do with actually feeding on God's word? Well, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, it makes me think that if we were to count the number of people in the Western church that have a Bible, and the average home, we're told, has about three or four Bibles in each home. And all these people have Bibles, but don't necessarily actually read the word. The word of God doesn't get in there. Possibly we're looking at a high percentage, like 87%. When you consider that Muslims or other religions, Muslims by the thousands are, are leaving their universities with the whole Quran memorized. Or if we consider, you know, Hollywood stars, Hollywood movie stars, you know, actors and, and actresses are, you know, they will memorize thousands of lines for fame and wealth. And it makes me wonder, where are the people of God in the church today that have a desire for the Word of God? Where are those who are hungry for the Word of God in their life? We need to rise up with a desire for the Word like never before in our generation. If God's going to move in our generation, it's going to be because we've got a hold of the Word of God. Amen? In the book of Hebrews, come with me to Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. Just to give you a little bit of context, in the book of Hebrews, the writer is um, rebuking the Hebrew believers of that day. Why? Because they had been familiar with the Scriptures, but they'd never taken the time to learn and study and apply the teaching. And so they were regarded as immature and, and not able to help others. And it says this in the Scripture, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who only partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. For solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I mean, what a powerful portion of Scripture. What a picture this maybe paints for some today. 
We've had a Bible. We've been attending church for many years. We've done our circuit of the Christian conferences and the events. But somehow, we haven't yet really got a knowledge of what the Bible teaches. We've become hearers of the Word, and we got used to that, but we're not become doers of the Word. And so Hebrews says this in a nutshell. He's saying, because they are weak and immature in their own spiritual experience, they're not able to instruct someone else. They're not able to, to counsel sinners or, or to help a new convert or to disciple a new convert. Hebrews says they are still spiritual babes and they still, uh, they're not able to digest teaching that goes beyond milk. And so God here in this scripture and various scriptures in the New Testament is expressing that we would grow up in the word of God. Amen. He wants us to grow. And you may be here today and you're asking the question, why do I have to read the word? Why is it important that I get into the word of God? I guess the most important thing is it's not necessary that we get into the Word, but that the Word of God gets into us. Psalm 1, 2 to 3, wonderful, uh, well-known scriptures, again, talks about the Word and the Spirit in our lives. How important the Word and the Spirit is. And it says this, but His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. What does this mean? It means this. If we will read, if we will meditate, and we will apply the Word of God, the Word of God has enough capacity to change your life and to bring you into prosperity. Great willpower and and determination is not enough for us to live the Christian life. You need the power of God's Word working through your life. The Word of God prospers you. The Word of God gives you wisdom. The the Word of God helps you live a pure life. The Word of God is your shield, your shield of faith. And so God's Word is something that we need constantly every day. It's something, of course, that we can stand firm upon. God loves to communicate to us. God is a God who loves to reveal himself to us. And he has revealed himself, of course, through, for various ways, through creation and mountains and seas and all those things. But when we get in contact with the word, he speaks to us. We hear his message. And the wonderful thing about being a Christian and being a believer is that we can expect God to speak to us all the time. I think sometimes as Christians, the problem is not that God's not speaking. It's that our ears are not hearing. We're not hearing what God has to say to us. We're not hearing these rhema words that he wants to encourage us with. And so that's an exciting life that we can expect God to speak to us on a constant basis. He can can speak to you in through your trials, through your temptation, through your testings. One person said this, God's word heals hearts. It transforms circumstances. It imparts joy. It, it, It defeats temptation. It changes the mind. So when we're... In the Word of God, in a nutshell, the Word of God changes us. Amen? D.L. Moody, who was a, a revivalist from some time back, said this, The Bible was not given to us to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. The Bible was not given to us. The Word of God was not given to us just to fill up our minds. You can know a book in the Bible off by heart, but if it hasn't changed your life, it's not doing anything. God's Word Tells you who he is. But not only that, he expects. He tells you what he expects of us. 
So the better you know his word, the more you are equipped to face life. His word teaches us how to live. It teaches us how to treat other people, how to, what, what is right and wrong, and how to, it's really an instruction manual for our life. Many of the problems that we face today were probably not necessarily such big problems if we would just have the word right in the center of our hearts and lives. My question to you today is this, are you feeding on the word of God? Are you feeding on him? Because someone who's feeding on the word of God experiences his wisdom, his power, his life, his strength, even through difficult circumstances. The word is living. It's alive. It's active. How do we know that? John 1. Come with me to John 1 quickly. There's a little phrase in there that says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, in the Old Testament, the Word of God came through the prophets. But in the New Testament, we see that the Word is not just some pages on a book. The Word is a person. Amen? Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word made manifest. Jesus is called the Word made flesh. The Word is alive. In other words, the Word is not just old truth. It's not just stale truth. It is alive. Why? Because Jesus is alive. John 6. You don't have to go there, but it tells this amazing story when Jesus multiplies five small loaves of barley bread and two small fishes that, that a little boy... Apparently, in the crowd, was saving for his lunch, and uh, it says Jesus broke the bread, gave thanks, and fed the entire crowd of more than five thousand people who had gathered to hear him preach. And then check out this: it says, then it says that they followed him to the next place, probably because he had just fed them. They probably got a free lunch. But anyway, it then says Jesus says this: Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. How powerful is that? These were powerful scriptures that he was telling these people. And this, in this chapter, these words were crucial for his followers to understand. And they are crucial for us to understand today. What a powerful statement. Remember that bread back then was not just some kind of an afterthought or some kind of a side dish. Bread was the main part of their diet back in those days. And so when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, in that culture, it got their attention. And this is something that needs to get our attention today. Jesus is the bread of life. And what he was saying is this. You need to understand this, that you need me every day. You need me not just on Sundays. As good as it is to come around the Word, you don't just need me on Sundays. You need me every day. You need me every minute. You need me every hour. I am the living Word. You can't do without me. I'm the bread of life. I am the one who nourishes you. I am the one who feeds you. There are a lot of things that you and I can do without today, but there's one person that we cannot do without, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the one who nourishes us. 
And the problem today is sometimes that Jesus is just kind of like a side dish. He's not the main part of, of our life. He's not the main one who's nourishing us. He's not the main source of nourishment. Sometimes we get so busy in life to the point where, you know, where Jesus is just a number of, of a number of other things. Bit of Jesus here and a bit of Jesus there, but he's not necessarily the center. He's not the main source. Have our lives become so full that there's not room for God anymore? That we only have room for him on Sundays and every other day of the week is full of other stuff. Do we come to church so full of the world that there's not enough room for the bread of life? Is Jesus just a side dish in your life or is he the main course? We need to get a genuine desire for the bread of life. Amen. The one who nourishes our souls, who heals our souls. I'm going to ask Peter to come and play. That'll be great. Today we can fill our lives with so much entertainment and, and TV and uh, all the social networks and TV gossip, newspapers and all of that stuff. And e even some of the stuff that's all the spiritual stuff that's sometimes not any spiritual good. But yet the question still remains, what are we feeding on? What is feeding your life on a daily basis? Is it the Word of God? Because it's, if it's the Word of God, then of course that's wonderful. But if it's not, then something else is filling it. Maybe it's materialism. But sooner or later you'll realize that materialism will not satisfy your soul. Materialism will not satisfy your life. There is a spiritual hunger in every one of us. There is a, a longing in every one of our hearts for God that only God can fill. The Bible says, but when you hunger and thirst for Jesus, you will be filled. The bread of life is the most important person in your life. In your home, in your job, in your school, your university, wherever you are, the bread of life is the most important person in your life. I want to ask you a question. What are you feeding on today? See, here at Kensington Temple, we want bread. We want the bread of life in all of our living, in all of our breathing, in all of our serving, in our giving. We want the bread of life to be the center. Amen. We want Jesus to be the center. And if we can get the bread of life as the center, everything else will put, fall into its place. When the bread of life is present in your life, when the bread of life is present in your cell, in a church, and that aroma fills the room, people don't want to leave. I remember a number of years ago when I was on my way to church, I would go past this bread bakery. Uh, place. And I, it was fantastic. I almost wanted to stop the car for five minutes and just kind of smell the bread for a while. But you see, when you've got the bread of life in your life, people come around you. When you've got Jesus in your life, people are drawn to you. They are attracted to Christ in you. If you've got the bread of life in yourself, people want to come because they're experiencing bread from heaven. Is the bread of life the main course in your life or is he just a side dish? We've got to get hungry for the bread of life. Drawing to a close here, but 
just to give you a bit of background in the Old Testament God gave the Israelites manna in the wilderness to provide for them and see manna didn't just fall inside of their tents would have been wonderful wouldn't it manna just didn't fall inside of their tents they had to get out of the tent and go out to collect the daily bread of heaven because otherwise of course the, the, the bread would rot what that means for us is this that we need to be responsible for getting the bread of life cell leaders you need to become breadwinners for yourself Mums and dads, you need to be the breadwinners in your home. And for all of us here, preachers and teachers, you know, uh, can't do it for us all on Sundays. We have to go to God daily to get our bread. Amen. Jesus said this. He said, give us today our daily bread. What does that mean? Sometimes it means switching off the other stuff. Switching off the other stuff that is so active in our life and going to seek the bread of life. For ourselves. Interestingly, Jesus said, Give us today our daily bread. In other words, he wasn't saying about tomorrow or the next day or the next day, the month or the next year. Sometimes God is only committed to giving you the daily provision that you need, to giving you the daily manner that you need. Trusting Him today for, for today's provision, not worrying about tomorrow. We need fresh daily bread today. Let's stand together in His presence. said I am the bread of life I am the daily bread that you need I am your provider I'm your sustainer your strength what I would like us to do just for a few moments is to open our hearts up to the bread of life this afternoon maybe it's been a while since you opened your heart up to the bread of life today maybe you've got a lot of needs in your life that you need God to feed you and to sustain you and so just now, let's open our heart wide to the bread of life today. The Bible says that He is our portion. He is our daily source, our manna from heaven. So just in where you are right now, open your heart up to the bread of life. Speak to the Lord about the needs that you have in your life. That financial need. Those needs in your home. You're having your difficulty with your children. Whatever it is, you're going through a, through a testing time. Ask for the bread of life to come upon you today. Go ahead, lift your voice to the Lord. Say, bread of life, I need you. I want you. I'm tired of filling my life with fleshly appetites. I want the real bread. I want the bread of heaven. Whatever needs that you have this afternoon, it's nothing that Jesus cannot meet. That reoccurring addiction, that problem that you keep on getting faced with all the time, ask for daily manna to come upon you today. Just a few more moments as you open your heart up to the bread of life today. Lift up that need before Him.
teenager in the home that's battling with addiction. That teenager that's battling with depression in your home, in your family. Father, would you pour out daily bread upon that family, that home. Lord, you are our portion. You are our strength. You are the sustainer of all things. You are the daily bread of heaven. Lord, we ask you today that you would feed us with your word. Jesus, that you would be the bread of life. You would be the center of our being. We pray that you would prepare us for greater things. You would make us a people who are ready for every work that you have for us in the future. But Lord, would you teach us to rely on daily bread? Lord, would you teach us not to rely on the fleshly things? We want the real bread. Lord, we pray for our generation for real bread. We pray for the barley loaf of heaven to come and hit our generation, Lord. Daily bread, daily revelation. Lord, I pray for every one of us over our sleep. Daily bread, fresh revelation of who you are. Take us deeper. come and we bring our hearts to you this afternoon. We open wide our mouths. We open wide our hearts. Lift up every home, every family, every person in this place, Lord, I ask you, be their portion, be their provision, be their strength. We pray this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, that uh, brings us to the close of our service uh, today. And uh, so the, may, may the Lord bless you as you go. Don't forget at our 5 p.m. service uh, today, we of course have uh, our associate minister, Bruce will be coming to, to bring us teaching on the Trinity. I encourage you to get uh, here for that. And then, of course, he'll be ministering in our revival service at the 7 p.m. God bless you.